is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love no playing there. Oh, man, man, I'm sorry. It's just hit me right now. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? <laughs> We're back. This is Swish FM. Chris Wendell and Ben Crop and the, uh, the NBA trade deadline is now in the rear view. We mm. are a bit past the halfway point in the season here. But is it? Be, yeah, it's like... It's not like... It's, really? I, I feel know, like it's the end. I know. Oh. It does. It feels like weirdly <laughs> like we like know a, how, who <laughs> the good teams are and who the bad teams are. And like we basically know who is going to make the playoffs and, and that sort of stuff. But it's a 72-game season and we're about... Uh, we're about like 50 games or maybe 45 games in so it's like we're past the halfway point but like all right it's it feels like it, we should wrap it up yeah i feel it, like we it should. honestly feels further along than it actually yeah is. i think yeah. we're i think we're good here yeah. i think we can wrap things up i don't think we need we need much more ben actually this week uh, uh we asked our followers on instagram to submit a question uh, anything they wanted to hear uh, your opinion about Ben. So you oh. know, th- th- this could run the gamut here. I didn't. I actually didn't tell you about this. This could run the gamut from you know your knowledge about uh, you know f- film. You have this encyclopedic knowledge about film or fantasy basketball. Mm-hmm. You know the media business. People always say that. Yeah. 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 The '90s Knicks, old school yeah. old WWF stuff, whatever it may be. And mm-hmm, we did. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm a bit of an encyclopedia. Yeah, we did. In fact, get one request. So mm. Ben, this one comes from Kelly in Brooklyn. Who, Kelly, shout yeah, out Kelly. Yeah, yeah, she asks. Thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for uh, <laughs> submitting. Ben, she asked you to please weigh in on the recent arrest of uh, reality TV star Jen Shaw of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. In this town, I'm Queen B and MVP. When you take cheap shots, always expect a hangover. This rose isn't scared to handle a little prick. Mm. For those listening who maybe missed this story the other day, reality TV star Jen Shaw of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City was arrested. She was charged in connection with uh, a telemarketing scheme that, I guess, Mm. defrauded hundreds of people, uh, many over the age of 55. Um, Charges stemmed, I guess, from like a nine-year scheme that said basically she and her assistant were selling uh, like services to people to make their businesses more efficient. Anyways, it was mm-hmm. a it was a totally fraudulent thing. Well, are we sure about that, Chris? It sounds like you're alleging something. Well, uh, I I don't have all the I specifics. Um, I actually, or all the facts. It sounds like no, I don't. Admittedly, I don't have all the all the yeah, facts. Before we go around throwing this kind of conjecture around about Jen Shaw, <laughs> yeah. um, who I would remind you and our listeners is innocent until proven guilty. Okay. Um, so, Which, uh, to my knowledge, she has not been uh, yet. Convicted so. of any sort of crime. Yeah, let's just so she's, slow down a little bit We here. are beginning a federal investigation now, Ben. Um, uh-huh. This has sort of set the, uh, you know, t- it's the talk of the town, this case now. Megan McCain, you know Megan McCain mm-hmm. of The View. Of course. She, yep. She's been tweeting Watch her every about day. it. Yeah, she's been tweeting about it. So it's, uh, it's become something of... Uh, you know, a viral story here. So Megan yeah. McCain is out there looking for clues, intel on the arrest. 
So Ben, uh, first question, do you have any, uh, do, do you watch, uh, any of the housewives franchises? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Great. Uh, everything. I watch <laughs> um, all of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you have a favorite franchise? Are you a Beverly Hills guy? Are you an Orange County guy? You're a Salt Lake City guy, an Atlanta guy, a Potomac guy? I, um, I like the Potomac a lot. Sure. I'm, uh, I think Salt Lake City is probably number one though in my heart. I just love the area. God. I love the city. Um, Those ladies in Salt Lake City are really, uh, they really cut loose. I mean, they are yeah. they are Mormons, but they are not letting their uh, you know their faith get in the way of of having a good time. So yep. they are housewives, but they are very real. Ben, have you ever found yourself in the midst of a federal investigation, uh, be it you know involving conspiracy, wire fraud, money laundering? Maybe during your early days at the OTL Inc. I. Don't know if I'm comfortable answering that question on the air, Chris. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and pass on that one. Okay. Um, but I do appreciate the question. Well, thank you to Kelly for uh, your inquiry. Mm-hmm. And we are on Instagram at SwishFMRadio. As always, you can send us your questions, things you're thinking about, be it, you know, something from the NBA universe or uh, or, or not. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, Chris, I was only uh, passing on your question about my personal experience with uh, crime, federal crime. Uh, but as to Kelly's question, which is a fantastic one. Thank you again, Kelly. Um, I uh, I stand firmly on the uh, on the side of, of Jen. Um, uh, that's her name, right? Jen. Jen. Yeah, Jen, Jen Shaw. Um, Jen Shaw. When you want to talk, then talk to me. What, what did I do? Shut the up. Jen, Why don't come out here like that. Don't come I at me, home. Heather. Uh, I don't think she, again, um, you know, I don't want to, if any federal investigators are, are listening to this podcast right now, I don't want to. You know, obviously, I, I believe uh, strongly in um, in the rule of law and our judicial system, um, our legal system, and I don't want to color any investigation, sway anything one way or the other, bias any of the investigators or prosecutors or um, anything like that. So um, uh, take that, you know, as a as a little caveat here. But I I, I do uh, believe that Jen has done nothing wrong. Um, I don't think that the government has much of a case frankly um i think that she will be vindicated um in a uh, in a court of law and i think that um uh she should continue with um whatever activities she may have been pursuing um previous to this sham uh, arrest this this you know show trial um I mean, honestly chris part of me wonders if this is all uh just an elaborate um, you know, scripted plot um, uh, concocted by the producers of the show because I mean, clearly this is going to be oh, some wow. fantastic well, content. They are filming right now. I know. They, of course, they how could you not be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got to keep those cameras rolling. So, um, so you yeah, think Andy you know, Cohen little... is maybe pulling the strings here? You think maybe Andy Cohen is pulling a fast one? I th- I wouldn't put it past him, uh, knowing his you know his history and his. Um, um, you know his his just uh, brilliant uh, ways of, of of creating fantastic television. He's so, the master manipulator, Ben. He's the uh, master. Puppeteer. I don't want to give away any of these you know the magic tricks here. Um, and uh, but you know you know obviously we should all still continue watching uh, week in and week out. Um, and uh, you know on the edge of our seats. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I just think that that that's a you know possibility. Just throwing it out there. Okay. Um, but uh, I definitely think that Miss Shaw is a uh, a wonderful human being, and I wish her all the best. I feel like Kevin Durant, yeah. shooting them, shooting them dead. Changing gears a little bit here, we'll move on to uh, an NBA topic, but we'll we'll stay you know with with the news. Uh, buzzy kind of news. Yesterday, there was mm. a, a story that came out about Kevin Durant and Ugh. Michael Rappaport. <laughs> uh, do we have to? Um, yeah, I think we should talk about ah, this. Fuck. I mean, yeah. I mean, so there was a heated back and forth between Kevin Durant and actor and podcaster Michael Rappaport. And yeah, it all exploded in public view when I guess Michael Rappaport like leaked uh, screenshots of private conversations that he had been having with Kevin Durant over the last year. 
Um, it's all very bad. I mean, it's all so. W- what was Durant? So, what was the inciting incident that angered Durant? It was some interview. So here, I didn't. I here's like couldn't of, bring myself to like cared about totally. the, to research the backstory of like the, what kicked all well, this off. That's but one of the, one of the main issues I think with this story is like we don't have the full context because you're only hearing from one side. So Michael Rappaport. I guess has been having like a, you know, he DMs with Kevin Durant and I think has been for like a couple of years or maybe the last year or so. And they were having some sort of beef on Twitter or Instagram and um, about, you know, Rappaport thinks Kevin Durant is too sensitive and said something about how like he shouldn't have been so sensitive in his TNT TNT interview with Charles Barkley. And Durant was like, just kind of roasting him. And I mean, the language he was using was homophobic and misogynistic and extremely profane and insensitive and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the, the problem with the story is that like, we are only hearing Rappaport's side of the things. I'm sure that if Durant showed his <laughs> end of things too, it could be just as ugly coming from the other side. Neither of them is uh Great, but I was just curious what your thought was when you heard all this was happening yesterday. I mean, yeah, you sent the the tweets on our little like text thread, and I like took a glance at them. I was just like, "Fuck, this is depressing and gross and unpleasant." And I don't really have much to say about it. And then I'd wish that uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, I don't know. What is, like, I don't want to judge any of these like fellow human beings because. I don't know, as we said at one point, like, any 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 player who's in the NBA has had a completely abnormal life. Uh, I mean, you know, best case scenario, you came from a stable upbringing and you are, uh, you know, had a, a pleasant life and you can kind of handle all of the pressures and stresses and anxieties uh, that come from being a professional athlete, uh, which are like completely unfathomable to me um obviously kevin durant from what we know of his personal story is not less than ideal uh his uh you know youth and and upbringing like obviously many of his uh peers are you know filled with tragedy and hardship and just not uh you know an ideal way to like grow into a functioning human being um so i like (laughs) i don't want to judge too harshly but yeah like it was fucking disgusting what he wrote and how he you know spoke and whatever it's also a private like text thread yeah, and who knows i'm sure that there's i mean uh, my, my big thing is um you know i i mean durant comes across as ter- as you know terribly in the conversation i i'm sure that michael rapaport is isn't exactly any sort of angel yeah, either no, i mean he's, he's a total he's, jerk too so <laughs> like I'm, yeah i'm not trying to make like, out why that, are we still even like one guy the, is the biggest question than the other uh, yeah. For me, the moral of the story is just kind of like, it, it was kind of a reminder, I think, that we actually don't know these people at all, these like these athletes and actors, for that matter, um, and all these entertainers, whether it's, you know, people in TV or movies or, you know, professional sports, yeah, whatever it is, in the public po- eye, yeah. politicians, like, we don't know who these people actually are. Um, outside, and of- I really thought I knew, I really thought I knew Matt Gates. It is a horrible allegation, and it is a lie. The New York Times is running a story that I have traveled with a 17-year-old woman, and that is verifiably false. People can look at my travel records and see that that is not the case. I'm very, very upset um, by by what happened. She's Louise, yeah. Mm, um, that came as a shock. Yeah, when Ted Cruz's wife leaked those uh, text messages, uh, man, I was truly taken aback. I thought I thought I yeah. knew the Cruz family, but I guess I didn't. But Talk about a snake in the grass. Truly, yeah. I don't know. I I, I guess I was thinking about this because in a lar- in a like slightly larger context, like I was watching the Knicks game the other night and I saw Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose was playing really well for the Knicks and I always have like such weird complicated feelings towards Derrick Rose because of the person. Yeah, mine aren't that complicated. Mine are negative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> just negative. It's weird because it's like he's not. Uh, you know, he's a pretty terrible guy personally like the things that he did in his personal life are like bad yeah fuck that guy fuck that guy but the only difference between derrick rose 
and other people in the league is like, we know about something that happened with Derek Rose. And now mm-hmm. in the case of Kevin Durant, like we know about the way he kind of talked in private. There is this weird thing, I think, where we sort of make assumptions about lots of athletes and entertainers where we think we develop these feelings about them based on their performance or their, you know, like their their persona publicly, but we know nothing about their private lives. So, yeah. Yeah, of course. You know, you always assume that someone is good because you're a fan of them playing basketball. Yeah, and you want to believe it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then it turns out that uh, <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. is a MAGA guy. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, really? Okay. So then it's, it's got a little bit more complicated. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, it's all, it all comes with the territory of trying to be a fan uh, of anything. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's very, very few things that you can just uh, have a pure, uh, completely pure, you know, un, uncluttered, blissful uh, enjoyment of uh, in the modern world. So that's why we must cherish the things that truly are pure and perfect. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes, but in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Now, on that note, I would like to say quickly, Chris, yeah. rest in power to our king, mm-hmm. our god, GGL, baby. G. Gordon Liddy. Breaking news. G. Gordon Liddy, the man convicted in the Watergate scandal, has died. Liddy's son, Thomas, confirmed his death to the Associated Press. The undercover operative would, went to prison rather than testify about his role in the break-in at the Democratic National Committee headquarters that ultimately led to Richard Nixon's resignation. Liddy was 90 years old. I don't know if anyone has uh, not heard the news. I hate to uh, break it to you if you, if you um, were were unaware, but uh, G. Gordon Liddy passed away uh, yesterday, Chris, at the age of 90. Um, of course, someone who is extremely important to you personally, um, something of a role model and inspiration. Um, obviously, one of the most just influential and, um, uh, you know, he, he, just, he taught me so much about life, about politics. Um, of course, he was the mastermind of the Watergate, Watergate break-in. Yeah. Uh, also a, uh, a guest judge at WrestleMania two, the best WrestleMania. Um, I mean, what so yeah, a, I mean, the guy, life. Uh, he was the a guy's, lawyer, yeah, his resume lawyer, yeah, goes on FBI, and on. Former FBI agent, talk show host, like a conservative, uh, icon in the, uh, talk radio space uh Mm -hmm. he was an actor i don't know what else i can tell you except it was probably a legitimate od i beg your pardon in california it was a real suicide we didn't kill him my sources tell me they didn't either these things happen end of story a short one unfortunately for you i know how disappointed you must be after all these years you know what you are man you're a pig a USDA-certified P.I.G. The world is a very complicated place, son. The world is a world of hurt because guys and guys like you are always spooking around in it with your duplicitous games and your assassins and your extreme prejudice. If you say so, Stone. I say so! He was the criminal mastermind behind the Watergate scandal, was like the, you know, like one of the foot soldiers in breaking into the DNC for the Nixon White House. He was the chief operator of of what was called the White House Plumbers Unit during the Nixon White House years, which was basically like a group that it was basically like a group of henchmen. Um, They did like political espionage. Um, for President Nixon and, like, did all of his dirty tricks. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just iconic. We'll we'll have to talk about him in greater length at another time. Yeah, we're going to have... Don't 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 you, uh, any of our listeners, worry. Uh, we're going to have a, a at least one episode, if not more, uh, devoted to the life and times of, uh, of Mr. Liddy. Um, 
because uh yeah there's a lot to talk about there <laughs> there's a, a lot. lot to you know honor really there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot yeah yeah, yeah. it's but anyway yeah. so I, I sidetracked us uh we were talking about yeah. uh <laughs> We, we jumped from Kevin Durant to G. Gordon Liddy. Well, um, I wanted to talk about the trade deadline and um, talk a little bit about this J.J. Redick trade that I kind of tipped you off to and his reaction mm-hmm, to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But first, oh, yeah. first, more generally, just about the trade deadline. How did you feel about it? Any of the players moved? Uh, really surprise you? Is there anything that you found really interesting? Did you have any sort of like thoughts or reactions to the entire day and experience? I found it sort of overwhelming i mean i always find the nba trade trade deadline sort of like manic and psychotic and um just a lot and very strange uh yeah it is strange it seems like a very like i mean much like uh everything in the league as we discussed on a previous episode with our um with our guest um it it uh it it just feels totally like oh I have an idea let's make let's pick an arbitrary date and then all of this like crazy shit will have to happen like right before this this deadline um, and like it doesn't really make sense why other than just like it'll be fun and crazy <laughs> um, like I guess the idea is that teams you want to have like a period of like sort of preparation before the playoffs when rosters can't change. But of course, rosters can still change. There's yeah. buyouts and there's 10-day contracts and there's all sorts of other things that can happen. So it's like, why, yeah, why can't you just trade whenever you feel like it? Um, it's really weird. But trading uh, players uh, as a concept is also very weird uh, to begin with, um, as I think the J.J. Redick uh, episode kind of highlighted. Yeah, I don't know. What were your uh, well, thoughts and reactions? I mean, I guess I'm rethinking, yeah, the same. I guess I'm just rethinking, like, player movement um, more and more in the, you know, like, after reading The Cap and thinking more about these athletes as people and uh, that they're not just, like, business assets and commodities (laughs) to be, like, moved around and shifted like Legos. Yeah, it's just very strange. It's just very strange that, like, Imagine in like your workspace, if someone was like, oh, Ben, guess what? You're no longer going to work for company X. You're now going to work for company Y. You and your whole family are going to be moved halfway across the country. You'll be getting on a plane tomorrow. I know you signed this contract and there was a set of agreements that you would be in this place, but we just decided uh, there's a better opportunity for us. So good luck. You'll still be getting the same (laughs) amount of money. Um, right. but you'll just have to, uh, do it elsewhere. And by the way, you'll be expected to perform just as well as you always do. Um, right. it's, it, it's very strange. And I know professional sports is very unique and we sort of accept these things as normal and it's, you know, part of the fun of, of, and part of the privilege, whatever that means of, of being, uh, a professional athlete, but it's, it's very strange. I don't know. I found the dead, the trade deadline to be sort of overwhelming, interesting, bizarre. Nikola Vucevic got moved. The big Vooch man got moved yeah. from Orlando to Chicago. Um, that was definitely a shocker. Yeah, that um, was a shocker. It, it was, that was one of those trades that I had been, I feel like for the last like two or three trade deadline podcasts, I was always drawing up mock trades, sending Vooch out of Orlando to like Charlotte or to Dallas, or I, there were a couple of teams that I was always sending him and Andre Drummond to <laughs> be like, can one of these teams that needs a center just like acquire one of these centers that's always very good in fantasy basketball, but like plays for teams that no one really cares about and, you know, aren't very good. Um, right. So it was interesting to see Vooch get moved and he's headed to Chicago. So I'm curious how he plays. Have you seen any of the Bulls games since he's gone over to Chicago? I have not. Yeah. Not um, yeah. I got to be honest with you, Chris, I have not watched many uh, NBA basketball games this season. Yeah. Um, that's I've been following, following very closely. Yeah. Um, because of my uh, fantasy basketball investment, um, yeah. but um, yeah, I um, tell me about it's been that. a strange season. Yeah, tell me. So you're less interested in watching games? 
Yeah. Is it, is it that uh, you have less time? Like, are you just? Super I definitely busy? have less. I have less time. I've been super busy. Um, yeah, having like a four-year-old son who is terrible at going to sleep um, makes it difficult for me to just like take yeah. a night off and kick back, starting at seven thirty. Um, uh, and then you know by like ten thirty, I'm usually like, all right, I'm gonna get in bed. Um, yeah. So you know, every now and then I'll like watch a little on my phone. Um, the uh, small amount of uh, NBA basketball watching time that I did have um, has, uh, in recent weeks, been completely replaced by uh, 1980s WWF consumption. Uh, so, you know, it's just a, a different uh, drug of choice uh, to, you know, sort of distract myself at the end of a long day. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, it comes and goes. I'm sure at some point, you know, I'll probably check in again during the playoffs. Um I don't know, like, there's just not that much that's that intriguing to me, um, uh, like, on the court, and, and I think it's also still just, like, hangover from, like, yeah, just the weirdness of trying to play the season during a pandemic, which, like, it's miraculous that they have gotten, that they've just, like, pushed through it, um, and it looks like it's actually gonna, you know, complete, uh, the year, but yeah, like kind of ever since the bubble, I've just kind of been like, I don't know, like this just feels a little strange and sure I can turn my brain off and like sit and enjoy a game with a can of beer. Not that I really drink that anymore, but uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, doesn't have quite the same like, oh man, I really got to like yeah. check out, you know, X team or Y team and yeah, there's just like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, man, that's very real. I am sort of having a different experience, but I think similar too, where um, for me in years past, I felt like a very, I maybe decentralized would be the way to put it. I was like very much like a league pass NBA fan where I was always watching interesting games. I wasn't really subscribing to one team. I was very invested right. in my fantasy team. So I was watching Suns games or Magic games or, you know, just like really random teams. Um, and the Knicks were always very bad and have been very bad. So I would watch those games, but they were uncompetitive very quickly. So there was always an excuse to like turn it off by like the third quarter, you know, or like, or if I turned it on during the third, third quarter and it was like the Knicks were trailing by 30 points to the Pistons. It's like, okay, right. well, I think I'm good here. Um, and this year the experience has kind of flipped on its head where I feel actually for the first time in a long time, like a local sports fan where I watch Knicks games and I have a bunch of really strong Knicks fan friends. So I have like, close relationships with those people. So those text threads and, you know, bounds like those, those means of communication sort of like keep me invested in the team and watching that, those games. And mm -hmm. I feel less invested in my like computer fantasy team and like mm. the internet teams. Um, sure. So it's, it's weird, but it also feels like a bit healthier too where yeah uh i can see that yeah you know what i mean grounds you in reality a little bit more um right i mean that's the thing we were all talking about this like offline but like it's how it's not even like grounds me in reality it's more just kind of like in years past i was a bit more like just like floating in space and this mm. year i'm a little bit more like i know who my team is i know i really know about all the players on the team i watch basketball them. is is it's back, it's back in the garden yeah you know? it's back. yeah so like i could tell you that makes sense the strengths and weaknesses of reggie bullock yeah um, it wasn't back in previous seasons but this season it is in fact back this season it's back so yeah it makes sense that you'd be you know a lot more invested yes um yeah and it's fun like it's a legitimately fun experience watching the Knicks. That's the extent mm -hmm. of my NBA consumption. Not that it's exclusively Knicks stuff, but it's that you know, it's like I watch the Knicks games and then I'll watch like the kind of premier, you know, ESPN stuff or TNT stuff as my schedule allows. Right. But yeah, we were talking about the trade deadline and I wanted to talk to you about the uh the JJ Reddick trade. Yeah. And yeah. Just sort of so your, for anyone yeah, your who hasn't heard, yeah, he went off. I guess he just dropped this episode. What like today or mm -hmm. yesterday? Um, today, where he goes off on this rant, like very like 
explicitly directed at David Griffin, uh, the general manager of, of his uh, former team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and um, basically just goes off and was like, yeah, they lied to me about, um, you know, I requested a trade at the beginning of the season. Um, or was it the beginning of the season or was it back in beginning I don't of know, the like a few months ago? Yeah, yeah. I think. Dude. And they were like, yeah, totally. We have an understanding. We'll work it out. We'll put you somewhere where, where you're happy. Right. Basically, he just wanted to be back closer to his family, somewhere in the northeastern region. Tommy, you know this, and, and this is not public, but uh, back in November, I made a, a trade requ- request. And it wasn't my agent making the request. It was me. I had multiple very transparent conversations with Trajan Langdon and David Griffin. The, the, um, the impetus for this was my, my son, of course, had started kindergarten in Brooklyn back in September. We had no idea when the NBA season was going to start. Uh, the NBA sort of sprung this, we're starting uh, Christmas Day. Uh, and simultaneously to that announcement, the Pelicans were trading Drew Holiday. There was, you know, this understanding that they that they gave him that he would be like bought out and he could just go sign wherever he wanted. So I talked to Griff. I talked to Trajan. Uh, Griff basically says to me, come down for a month uh, if you still want to be traded. I give you my word. I'll get you to a situation that you like. Uh, we've had subsequently four conversations. Uh, again, my agent talks to him, but I'm talking to Griff directly. Um, that's how I wanted to handle this. Griff and I had a personal relationship. Um, and obviously he did not honor his word. And again, that is not a slight on Dallas at all. Um, you know, my understanding, uh, basically from February on, once I was not traded at the aggregate, uh, deadline on February 2nd, my, my understanding all along was that I was going to get a buyout. And uh, if I was going to be traded, it was going to be to a team in the Northeast uh, where I was closer to home and I'd be able to see my family for the last, you know, two or three months of the season. Obviously, that didn't happen. Geographically speaking, of course, Dallas is further away from New York than New Orleans. <laughs> and then they didn't do that. And they instead traded him to Dallas uh, for, I guess, like a couple of draft picks. Um, and uh, like just like totally you know, out of the blue, shocked him. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he just goes on this rant and, and like, you know, we shit on JJ Redick a lot and make fun of him. Um, well, we don't shit on him. We, we ironically celebrate him, um, uh, because he's, you know, amazing and, and perfect, uh, as we all know. Um, but like unironically in this case, I listened to his podcast and I was just like, shit. And I really like sympathize with the guy, um, you know, and he's got young children and wife, family, blah, blah, blah. And it just, yeah, it drove home what we were talking about, how like, and again, if we're not saying anything that hasn't been said a million times around this time of the season trade deadline where it's like, oh, these are human beings and they, you know, have families. And can you imagine just being like a, you know, asset on a spreadsheet for this corporation and just being shuttled around, uh, you know, treated like a racehorse or whatever. Um, and it just drove that home and you're like, yeah, that does suck actually. Um, and it is shitty when, <laughs> especially in his case, it's not just like he wasn't just complaining about being traded. He was complaining about being lied to. Um, and you know, like that sucks. And I actually sort of genuinely feel bad for him. Um, and it just kind of, yeah, again, makes the whole product a little bit slightly more difficult to like enjoy, purely fully without feeling a little bit of queasiness and kind of grossness about it all and yeah yeah i mean i know we keep saying the same things but it's like we do really enjoy the game like the game that the players play is 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 fun Um, anyone who like listened to this podcast would be like oh this is guys this is a podcast about two guys who hate basketball and either talk about anything other than basketball or just talk about how much they don't really like basketball that much. But that is not true. I do no, I also love, enjoy basketball. I love like seeing, dunks are awesome. I love and, seeing the ball go in the hoop. I love playing yeah. basketball. And like these players are like, like Nikola Jokic feels me like that is one thing that I do feel completely like unfettered, pure joy when I consume. Um, well, yeah. Or like, whatever, like Mitchell Robinson blocking shots or like whatever. Like, yeah, it's awesome. It's the best. Obviously we've been fans of this game and played this game since we were little kids. And, 
Um, that's why we have a podcast with a basketball in the logo. Um, and yet it's like the older you get, the more like shit you learn and you're just like, yeah, it just complicates and, and like muddles everything. And, uh, yeah. Hey, it's called. Yeah. And it, and it's come, it comes from different angles. I mean, like a lot of it we've talked about, like with the executives that like, yeah, a lot of the executives involved in the league are not great. A lot of it is systemic, like the way the league is structured sort of rewards terrible, frankly, like behavior, like bad, like, like, uh, unethical. I mean, every team is owned by evil people. Like that is, I mean, just a simple fact, like they're they're run, each team is run as a business. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not a charity. So like when business decisions are made, it involves like, cutting someone's job or like relocating someone or firing someone or trading. So, you know, so it's like, it's, it's pretty harsh. Um, and all of that is sort of separate from seeing the ball go in the hoop, which is the thing that we love. Yeah. But then in the case of Kevin Durant, it's like, then there's the other element where like, sometimes the players suck too. Like, yeah, they play, True. they play the game and it's beautiful. <laughs> and I love seeing Durant dunk and he has an incredible jump shot, but it turns out like maybe he's a, jerk or maybe he was maybe having he's have a piece of shit or maybe yeah. he was having a really bad day or you know whatever the case is um or sure you know, yeah or, yeah so it's just I, I i think the the moral of the story is like the older you get and the more closely you look the more you realize like there's just more and more stuff about the game that's pretty hard to swallow yeah there's just more and more bad things to discover um <laughs> and and it becomes harder and harder to like right just completely like turn your brain off um uh and yet to add one more uh wrinkle you've uh, recently been consuming another podcast uh chris called whistleblower yeah um which if you don't think uh you know the owners are evil and you don't think any of the players could possibly be evil turns out there's a, a third group um that uh that is involved with this uh beautiful pure sport of basketball that can also be evil and that is the referees <laughs> yeah so uh i recommended this podcast to ben it was recommended to me from a f- bunch of different friends i'm sure people in our audience listening have maybe heard of it too if they haven't already listened uh, but we want to plug it here. It's called the Whistler, the Whistleblower Podcast. It's hosted by Tim Livingston, who is a longtime uh, sports journalist, and he created this, frankly, incredible ten-episode deep dive podcast into the NBA betting scandal that involved um, Tim Donaghy, uh, the referee, and um, it's all about just like tracking him down and and delving into that story of like shaving points and uh and and it turns out there was like an intricate web of people involved in the betting scandal that he took the fall for um and it turns out it wasn't maybe just fellow refs that were involved in the scandal it may have also been people who worked at the NBA who like knew it was happening and they did everything they could to sort of silence the people involved. And I know you're, yeah, you're still of course. working your way through the podcast, right? You're only like halfway. Yeah. Through. I'm like halfway through. Um, and so, yeah, it seems to me like, you know, this was a story that, that kind of, you know, blew up back in 2007. Um, and then like very quickly, like went away. Um, it was just like, Oh, we caught him. It was just him. Just one it's all bad, wrapped up one now. Bad folks. Apple. Yeah. Yep. We uh, we we uh, we we you know uh, excised him from the, from the uh, the body. We did our little surgery. Now we're all healthy again. All all's good. Um, you know the cancer is gone. Um, and basically, this podcast is like going back to explore like, is it really? And like, was it just uh, you know one single little like bad uh, you know bad apple, bad actor? Um, and, um, yeah, spoiler alert, no, uh, (laughs) spoiler alert, the NBA, um, clearly, uh, went to great lengths to, um, uh, again, obviously very understandably to protect their business, which is a massive multi-billion dollar business. Um, and it turns out when you have a massive multi-billion dollar business, um, you do lots and lots of shit, uh, good and bad to protect that business. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a really good podcast because it kind of like, you know, obviously lots of, of stories and, and stuff was, was written and covered, um, you know, back at the time and even a little bit since, but like very few, 
like mainstream publications, I guess, have really explored like, hey, was this is this the whole story? Um, and, you know, did the FBI like fully, uh, you know, um, uh, like sort of validate the, the what the NBA uh, claimed and all this other stuff? Um, so, yeah, it's fascinating and pretty depressing. And, um, yeah, just kind of makes you, f- f- I don't know, if you're like me, like feel uh, s- some no small amount of like anxiety and like kind of like depression about like just these massive you know, forces that are more powerful and bigger and more evil than you, like kind of controlling this thing that you, um, you, you know, uses like an entertainment product. Um, well, I mean, in, and you know, the, the, the podcast talks about other people besides Tim Donaghy, who is, who were involved in the scandal. And one of the first people mentioned is Scott Foster, who is currently refereeing games. I mean, you, yeah. you know, I was having a meltdown, so I was saying that, like, I still, I, I watch all of these Knicks games now more than ever. I'm so invested in the team. Yeah, I was going to say, weren't it's, there, it's there really was, fun. like, a really shady ending to was, a recent Knicks game? There were a bunch. There were a bunch yeah. of really shady endings to Knicks, to Knicks games, and, and one of them was uh, a controversial call made by Scott Foster. One of the Wouldn't refs. You know it? Yeah, one of the refs that uh, Tim Donaghy you know, basically points the finger at and says like, this guy was doing it with me, Yeah, you know? And they were close personal friends and spoke on the phone, like basically every single day or right before tip offs of games. Um, and then immediately after the games. Right. And then after the games. Yeah. And it's all like 20 and 30 second conversations. Yeah, man, nothing weird about that. I mean, we do that too, Chris, you know? Sure. I, I constantly call you and talk on the phone with you for 30 seconds. Yeah, but dude, it's wild to, I mean, I remember, so Scott Foster had this very like controversial call on Julius Randle at the end of a Nick game, I think like two weeks ago, maybe when they were playing the Nets or at the end of the game against the Sixers, one, one of like the marquee teams in the Eastern Conference. And I was just super invested in the game, obviously, because we were playing like one of the best teams in the league and the Knicks were like hanging in there. It looked like they might even be able to win. You know, they were mm-hmm. they were like going to maybe gut this out. And there was a very controversial call and it happened right in front of Scott Foster and he just swallowed his whistle. And I was like, wait a minute, that's Scott Foster, the guy that I'm listening to this podcast about. And um, I remember as soon as that happened, Damian Lillard tweeted you know, like, why did Scott Foster not make the call there for Julius Randle? Like, it's it happened right in front of him. And I was like, yeah. oh, all of these other people, like, I am, we are just learning about an inside secret that all of these people clearly know about, too. Yeah, that's the thing, is that, like, within... You just realize how like certain... late we are to the game, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, how naive we yeah, are. Yeah, it's pretty shocking to, to, yeah, to see, like, Right. It's not something that someone is just uncovering now for the first time. It's only that we're learning about it. But like within the actual inside, you know, NBA community, it's like an open secret. This is just like how shit, you know, is run and whatever. That's not to say like every single game is fixed and it's all scripted like the WWF because that's not the case. But there's definitely like it's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of like closer dark, complicated shit. Yeah, it's maybe closer than we think, though. Like, and yeah. I was always one of those people that sort of rolled my eyes. Like my grandpa used to always say like, oh, sports is fixed. And like he, he was, you know, my old Italian grandpa who was just like convinced everything was run by the mob and it was all fixed. And <laughs> I was like, okay, grandpa, like you're just being cynical and, you know, but no, 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 this is like, this is real and this is good. And well, like maybe it's not, maybe, yeah. maybe, um, maybe there's some credence to it. Um, yeah. Before we go, Ben, uh, before we wrap up here, tell me something positive about your. I was just going to say, should we talk about something nice and fun and yeah. uh, that makes us feel good? Tell me something um, positive about, I don't know, your fantasy team, or tell me something positive <laughs> about something that you've been watching, whether it's a player, a team, uh, anything. I mean, honestly, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> talking I totally first of all it. i don't feel comfortable talking about my um you know my uh what may or may not be any involvement in uh in can you, crimes can you talk to um, me about a player on your fantasy team 
knowing you, it's like everyone will always be available for a trade. But I was going to say, can you tell me about a player who you're like obsessed with on your team who's been such a pleasant surprise or something? Um, or you can't even yeah, do that. sure. I can do that. <laughs> <Okay>. Um, <laughs> no, I'm literally like, I'm hesitant because yeah, whatever. I don't even want to, uh, don't even tell me why you're we hesitant. Can, we, yeah. yeah. We can talk about it after the season concludes. Um, but I'll just throw a name out there. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, man, this guy, yeah. um, I love him. Oh, I have um, one, I have one for you too, that I feel like my version of Rashawn Holmes is Nerlens Noel. Oh yeah, well, Nerlens, you got, uh, and now with Mitch Robinson yeah. out, it's just like full on Nerlens time. Yeah, but tell um, me about Rashawn because they're similar, and I'll tell you why yeah. in a second. Uh, but tell me right. like, what what you've loved about Rashawn, the the Rashawn Holmes experience. Well, I drafted him um, uh, back, you know, in our, in our uh, draft before the season started, thinking like. You know, he's probably going to split time with Hassan Whiteside, but even uh, in low minutes, he's just like so effective, you know, high field goal percentage, good blocks, defense, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, so I kind of like, you know, rolled the dice. I got him in like, I don't know, I think the eighth or ninth round in our draft. Um, and lo and behold, the Sacramento Kings um, surprised everyone, including myself, by being like, oh, we actually recognize that he's way, way, way better than Hassan Whiteside. So we're just going to play him starters minutes and Whiteside's going to back him up. So, um, someone who I thought would be like already very valuable in like 20 minutes a game is now getting 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, and he's just a fucking beast and I'm sure that he's probably going to get injured tonight. Um, because I said this, so I'm going to stop gushing about him, but, um, I love him. He's awesome. I mean, I've always loved watching him in the first place, like all the way back when he was on the Sixers. Uh Um, and yeah, the Sixers did have him at one point, um, and, um, and traded him. I forget how they even let him go. I think he just walked in free agency. This is why I hate fantasy sports. And this is why I hate like modern sports and how Mm -hmm. closely that they're related the way that like modern sports fans have had our minds like co-opted by like the saber metrics efficiency geeks that made fantasy sports. Um, Mm -hmm. I will try to be as uh, brief with this explanation as possible, but um, so I'm a huge Knicks fan by coincidence on my fantasy team, just the way kind of things broke and the way I was like building my team. I happened to draft both, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel. I drafted Mitchell right. Robinson a little bit early. I reached for him. Um, I just loved. Uh, I kinda, I'm a sucker for like defensive-minded big men. And then I got Nerlens yeah. Noel very late in the game, kind of like similar to the way you were describing Rashawn Holmes, where I was like, I think he's going to play about 20 minutes a game, and even at 20 minutes a night, like he still has a certain level of value that's actually really great. You know, like it'll be it'll be really good for my team. Um, mm-hmm. long story short, uh, Mitch winds up breaking his hand and then breaking his foot, uh, two separate injuries this season, just heartbreaking. And yeah. I mean, I feel terrible for the guy and I'll, I'll try to talk about this as quickly as possible. But like one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, um, watching both Nerlens Noel as a fantasy manager and as a real deal Knicks fan that is actually watching the games every night is, is there a scenario now in the off season where Mitchell Robinson will get traded knowing with the Knicks, knowing that like they have a very serviceable replacement level center. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about Noel and, and Mitch is that they Play, we talked about this during our draft episode. They play a very like similar brand of basketball. Um, mm-hmm. They're both defensive minded, kind of rim runners. You know, kind of uh, they're 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 shot blockers. And then you know the the primary um, focal point of the Knicks' offense is Julius Randle, who Julius Randle who plays the four, and Mitch and Noel are just sort of like I don't mean to say tweeners, but like they they don't need to occupy the paint. So they can kind of actually play very well with a guy like Julius Randle, who's kind of like hulking, right? And mm-hmm. um, so I, I started thinking basically because Mitch Mitch's contract, he has one year left on his contract after this season. It's like for a million dollars. It's yeah. in, in basketball terms, uh, people consider it one of the best contracts in basketball, meaning it's one of the most shitty financial situations for the player. 
Yeah, he's being he's way, vastly, vastly underpaid for his contributions to a basketball team. He's way more valuable to his team than what his salary would indicate. So he has one year left yeah. on his contract, and it's a team option. So there's this big debate kind of in internet Twitter circles about whether the Knicks will pick up the option and pay him $1 million or $2 million, whatever it is, for his last year, or whether they'll decline it and have him walk into restricted free agency knowing that they can match any contract that a competitive team will make, uh, will offer him. Right. And the thought process is, you know, even if a team offers Mitch, let's say like a four year, $60 million contract, the Knicks will match it. And even at four years and $60 million, Hey, you know, it's a, it's an asset. They can always trade it, you know? And Mm -hmm. I started thinking a lot about actually Rashawn Holmes because like Nerlens Noel, they both make about $5 million on one-year contracts. They're very valuable per minute. And Mm -hmm. it was the same principle where it's like, well, yeah, we'll sign him for 5 million bucks. The assumption will be he'll play 20 minutes, but if we can ramp him up to 30 minutes, he's suddenly a much more valuable per dollar per minute player. Right. And, you know, based on all the conversations we had, like with our guest, Josh, the other week about, you know, the economics of the sport and whatever, there is something inherently very depressing about all this to me. You know, like I love (laughs) watching Mitch Robinson play. (laughs) I love him. He is. I thought we were talking about, we were trying to pivot to something good and positive that made us Shut feel uh, uncomplicated. Un- I told you it uh, sucks, sensation man. Of, of happiness, and yeah, and now we're just lamenting the fact that our favorite players are actually just exploited workers. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, and I, you know, yeah. look, I know that like, you know, if Mitchell Robinson signs a sixty million dollar contract next year, ultimately he'll be like hey, that's awesome, man. Like, I I just got to make $60 million. That's great. But there is something inherently kind of sad about that situation, too. And uh, it's such a conundrum, man, being a sports fan, where you, like, on a personal level, really fall in love with these guys and the way they play and what they bring to the team. And like I I said, I watch every single one of these Knicks games. He really, Mitch Robinson is really great. Like, he means a lot to the franchise, but to the front office, he's much more valuable as like a commodity to trade based on like his his salary, um, which is not very much. Yeah. And by the way, the same applies for Rashawn Holmes. Um, yeah. You know, he's I think Rashawn Holmes is on a one year, five million dollar contract. And, you know, it's super valuable. I'm actually kind of surprised considering how bad Sacramento is that he wasn't traded at the deadline. Um, it's it's yeah. kind of surprising to me that he wasn't traded considering how efficient and valuable he is and how, how yeah. little he makes. So he's, he's someone I'm sure that will be very valuable in the off season uh, as he, as he goes about trying to get a new contract. Circling back to JJ Redick, how one of the things that JJ Redick mentioned during his rant against the new Orleans front office was how he was like, you know, I understand everyone's, you know, every every player is is can be traded at any time, yada, yada. But, like, he made some comment about how he was like, I thought because it was, you know, my 15th season yeah. and I'd gone about my career a certain way, trying to do things the right way and build relationships and stuff. And he talked a lot about how he was having these conversations with David Griffin personally. It wasn't his agent who was um, having these talks. Um, and it was like, it made me realize, like, when you when we think of JJ Redick, you know I feel like he's not like your standard basketball player um, because he is a rock star, um, and you know he's like best friends uh, with um, with DJ D Saul, uh, David Solomon, the CEO of Goldman Sachs. You know he is a he's a bit he's a he's, he's a major player. He's he's basically, and it's crazy to think of him like. And now I'm kind of like veering into like making fun of him territory, so I don't I don't mean to do that necessarily, but like. The idea that he was like, he thought he was different. Like, oh, you're not going to do me like one of these like average NBA players. Like, I'm friends with David Solomon, man. Like, I'm I'm basically like an NBA owner. Like, right? We're in the I'm in the, like the the rich guys club. Like, I'm in I'm I'm like you know I've got the keys to the like uh you know glass cabinet where all the cigars are. Like, I thought I was like one of you, and he finds out like, oh no, I'm just like another any other like shitty NBA player who's just traded for assets and it's like it was just really like really like opened my eyes to be like oh yeah none of the like 
yeah, none of them I think are the words that he used was like naive. Like he talked about being naive and yeah. he's like, even, yeah. even in my 15th season, I was, I was naive, but I, yeah. it's weird because like he did in theory, the right thing by before he, he talked about this, like before the season started, he was like, I, I signed with New Orleans because I really wanted to play with Drew Holiday. That was like right. that was actually the reason for me coming to New Orleans. Not like the geographical location, not really anything beyond like I wanted to play with Drew Holiday. And the Pelicans right. traded him for a variety of like on-court reasons. He talked about like mm. he's very versatile, he's a very switchy defender. Um, and that would be really advantageous to him at this point in his 15th NBA season, not being the most like athletic person at this point. And right. so Drew Holiday was traded. And so once that happened, or, or as all the rumors were sw- swirling about Drew Holiday about to be traded, he was he spoke to the president, David Griffin, and was like, hey, look, can you just trade me back to my family back east, somewhere in the northeast? Yeah. And it doesn't even need to be Brooklyn or New York, it just, I would ideally like to be within driving distance of my family. So if I have a couple of days off, I can go like visit them, which, you know, right. is a pretty fair request, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think. It's very bizarre for starters that like the world that they work in, that that's like permissible and sort of like common almost that like players can demand a trade. Like that to me is even s- strange. But also because they agreed to a contract to play in a certain place, but also like it's it's common, so it's it's like the way that that world works. But then mm-hmm. the president David Griffin was like, "No, can you just come here? Can you just come here for a month and we'll work it out? And uh, you know, you have my word. We'll trade you back east. Let's just like try to work it out for like a month." And right. he felt very alienated because he felt, you know, he was like duped because he went to New Orleans, went there for a couple of months, requested a trade. It still never happened. It never materialized. He asked to be, I guess, cut or released. It never materialized. And then once he w- once he was traded, he wasn't traded back east, but he was traded to Dallas. So he's... Fr- yeah, which is even further away from, even further away from New Orleans. Orleans. Which sucks. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, it, it sucks. So we make fun of JJ a lot, uh, you know, affectionately on this show, but... <laughs> you know, I I kind of feel for the guy, man. Like it's yeah, it's got to be very hard. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure like it's uh, you know no coincidence that like I feel this sense of of sudden like empathy for him when he's like talking about having like a four year old child, um, which is the same age as my son, and like how because of COVID his family can't even see him because due to pr- protocols blah blah blah. blah uh, the, his children would have to miss a week of school after flying back from New Orleans. Um, uh, so, I mean, whatever, yeah. Like, again, it's no different from any other NBA player that has a family, which they all do, and, um, you know, trying to have a normal life. Um, so, you know, um, uh, again, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we should apologize to our listeners yeah. for being such fucking Debbie Downers this episode. <laughs> it's a but, weird uh, time to be an The NBA good news fan. is... Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of really great, fun, entertaining, positive mm-hmm. comment uh, coming up in the uh, weeks and months um, to come. But we're going to be, uh, so Ben, please we're going to be giving away some unsubscribe. t-shirts. We're going to be giving away yeah, some t-shirts, got, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, we've got some merch that's in the works. Um, we've got a lot more uh, content with our possibly uh, future regular, well, definitely like regular guest um, slash occasional co-host uh trash bag ghost a owner um, of a virtual horse trash bag yeah ghost. Um, yeah we may or may we'll not be talking discuss about that at some point <laughs> um yeah if you are still listening uh at this point <laughs> and would like a t-shirt let's say the first 10 people that email me you're going to get a t-shirt so tweet at us or email us or dm me on instagram at swish fm radio on twitter and instagram and you can email us at swish fm radio at gmail.com send me your t-shirt size your name and address and i will get you a t-shirt a custom t-shirt uh first 10 people do it and that's it ben we'll have something interesting happening next week 
Um, I hope you have a good week enjoying, uh, you know, more NBA consumption. Enjoying nothing. <laughs> enjoying nothing. I cannot enjoy anything. Well, we live in 2021, Chris. How can you possibly enjoy anything? It's Well, you'll finish up not, Whistleblower. Not easy. You'll finish up the Whistleblower podcast. There we go. I am enjoying a, a podcast um, about how terrible uh, NBA basketball is. Oh, wait till um, you get I'm, to episode I'm, eight. Nine, thoroughly. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you don't know. Thoroughly enjoying that. Um, one thing I'm not enjoying is the fact that WWE Network uh, moved its entire library to Peacock, which is some bullshit NBC uh, fucking app. Um, and I'm not happy about it. And I can't, uh, I can no longer uh, watch my full episodes of Primetime Wrestling from 1988 uh, or uh, any episodes of Tuesday Night Titans from 1986. Um, and it's very, very distressing to me. And I paid good money to sign up to uh, WWE Network. I, I sent Vince McMahon my my credit card and social security number personally. Um, and uh, apparently he just uh, threw it in the trash like some piece of garbage. My God. And I am uh, very, very uh, uh, upset about that. And um, I just needed to get that off my chest. I apologize once again to all of our listeners. All right. Rate, review, subscribe to the show in Apple, Google, <laughs> Stitcher, Spotify, wherever we get podcasts. Ben, you take care. I know you're going you're gonna to figure it out uh, with Peacock yeah. and the WWE, the WWF. Ugh. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Take care. All right. A pleasure as always, my friend. Later. And uh, see you in hell or however the hell <laughs> right. these right. stupid episodes. Later. All right. Bye-bye. You can listen to Switch. 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 Switch.